welcome to another episode of HR Nightmares, where the team at Leith HR Group and myself invite a guest in to talk about all the ways that we can hopefully avoid HR nightmares and not find ourselves in the thick of them. And we try to do it with a little bit of fun and humor, but real talk. Um, so I'm super happy to have um, two not so new faces to me, but uh, new faces to the podcast. We've got Andy Almeter and Mead Van Pelt. And so um, I'm going to just do a quick uh, little introduction on Mead. But before I do that, if you like HR Nightmares, please hit subscribe, share it with your friends, let people know that they should write in for some free HR advice. We absolutely love getting all the write-ins. And in fact, we're going to put Mead and Andy on the spot today and see how they would coach this lovely audience member that wrote in about trying to dupe the interview process. So... (laughs) I'm really looking forward to that. (laughs) Um, So uh, as we know, Andy's the president of Leith HR Group. I'm chief people officer at a software company called Vantica and founder of Leith HR Group and WorkTalk. Um, Ed Mead is the executive director of the Harrelson Center. Um, It's a, I'll let you explain, but it's a non-for-profit in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, But she hasn't always worked in the non-for-profit space. And so I think it's so awesome just being able to hear your journey. People always want to understand, hey, I'm in this one career right now, and I'd like to do something different. How did you make that jump from 20 plus years at Pitney Bowes in sales, super successful career there, and then completely transition to non-profit leadership roles? And then we want to get into talking to you about how do you lead an organization like the Harrelson? So why don't you kick us off by telling us a little bit about what you do at Harrelson Center and what the mission is of that organization, what we need to know as an audience to help get involved. Okay, great. Always want people involved. So um, (laughs) more the people, the better. But um, the Harrelson Center is um, unique in that it is a centralized humanitarian services center where we have other nonprofits. So we are supporting the nonprofit community, that whole sector, so that they um, can be more empowered and that ultimately um, those nonprofits provide hope and opportunity and empowerment to others. So um, it's kind of getting yourself, cleaning your own house first, um, getting stable, and then... um, and growing your programs and then reaching out into the community further. And really by being all together, um, we, there's proximity, purely just advantage of proximity. So we've got about 20 nonprofit humanitarian partners who are on the campus. And then we have about 20 more who are associate partners who may not be on the campus for many reasons. It might be they own their own space. It might be they need a warehouse. could be um, that they're a startup working out of the back of their um, home. But um, those really, the synergies that come from that bigger community and then with the campus community uh, makes us all more effective as we share and um, empower each other. But also we really, it helps people also stay in their lane. So they stay very mission focused. And uh, our mission is to bring them up. But also we do have some other programs that kind of help clients directly um, in our community to really be a front door to meet us. And then we resource them. So we basically introduce them like soft handoffs to each other, walk them down the hall. And then other nonprofits do the same. So we kind of set that sort of culture and environment. So how'd you find yourself here? 
Oh, gosh. So, um, well, I'm originally born and raised in Wilmington, so I love Wilmington. So um, anything you can find to do in Wilmington, a lot of people are looking for something to do in Wilmington. We're no and you can always like volunteer. Hidden gem. gem, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah no. Hidden no more. But um, so I was born and raised here, left at college, and then I came back um, after working, like you said. I'd been with Pitney Bowes at that point a while, and then I stayed with Pitney Bowes when I came back to Wilmington and um, just worked remotely for about five years and traveled. And then... Um, was that a thing? Yeah. It was six years ago, Well, right? it was sales. So I was yeah. like, I would travel. I'd go up to the RTP area. I was I was here. So when I was going to come back, I was in New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, those areas, and then decided I wanted to come back to North Carolina. But I was like, I don't want to just come back to North Carolina. I want to come back to Wilmington. Mm-hmm. So um, my family was here. I had a lot of family here. So brothers... Uh, brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents. So um, it was a good time too. At, my parents, at that point, my you know, grandparents like in their nineties. So it was a good time for me to kind of come home. But I, um, the first thing I did, I literally, I was having a hard time convincing myself that I was ready to leave where I was. So I was like, oh, I'm going to sign up for the MBA program at UNCW. If I get in, I'll go. So I got in and literally <laughs> left New York City at like two o'clock in the morning. Now I knew I'd been in for a while, but I was still procrastinating it and left. Um, I may have left earlier. Maybe it was midnight. Anyway, I drove all night and pulled right into my first class at UNCW. Oh, my God. Oh my yeah. God. So, <laughs> That's easy. Um, which was a Saturday. It was like, hey, everybody, nice to meet you. You can imagine what I looked like at uh, yeah. <laughs> no. 8 a.m. on a Saturday after driving all night and with a U-Haul. I drove a U-Haul, you know, with all this, with stuff. But, um, but that was kind of, you know, I wanted to come back. I'd always, when I first got to New York, I wanted to work in nonprofit. So it wasn't like it came out of the complete blue. Also learned very quickly you could not afford to live and work in New York City in nonprofit. So I applied for a couple of jobs, got these offers, you know, in the 20s and was like, Mm. that's not going to pay for my apartment. So that's when I started looking into sales and other things and went into management and marketing and leasing and all these other things. But but what really, so I got back to Wilmington and then, you know, you kind of get back in the fabric. I, I, I didn't know that many people anymore. I'd been gone a long time, but I had my family and then we went to UNCW. So I met all these amazing professionals that were in the MBA program at UNCW and, um, and started sort of volunteering and re-engaging. And that's when I learned about the Harrelson Center. So I went to a lunch. Somebody invited to me to a fundraising the lunch. Freaking lunch. Have you ever been invited <laughs> to a fundraising lunch? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, um, I didn't get quite sucked in the first year, but um, and then I guess the next year, a couple of my friends. So um, and I met Vicky Dole, who was my predecessor, who was running it at the time, who'd been there for about five years. And so ultimately, she was looking for they were looking for someone at that time, and she was like, I, I can't leave until I know that the Harrelson Center is in the right hands. But I was still working and doing that kind of thing with sales and. Um, Anyway, I just kept exploring it, and um, and I talked to, I had a great pastor at the time. She has her church now in Blowing Rock, but she was like, it might just be vocational clarity. You may just be having some vocational clarity where you want to give back, you know, and um, tired of doing what you've been doing. You've been doing it for a long time. I mean, my job changed a lot. It would evolve yeah. a lot. Um, meeting new people all the time, love people, always want to be with people, figuring people out. So that's what brought me back to Wilmington. That's what's gotten me to the Harrelson Center with absolutely no nonprofit training whatsoever. (laughs) So you can imagine I started like studying 
Um, I mean, I had management, I'd managed people, I'd done a little bit of everything. Um, and being it with a large company, we were constantly trained. It was just mm-hmm. a part of what you did. So any new thing that came out, we were trained, you know, whether it was Salesforce, whether it was just technology, how to use, you know, new phones and all the apps and all the things. And um, just general, you know, overview of HR, overview of this and that. And so I had a, a very broad experience range. And somebody but onboarding is so important. And so you're you're making a huge life decision to move from this stable job that's always evolving. You're having fun, you're traveling, you're getting educated, you got your MBA, and then you make this decision to, okay, I'm gonna make a vocational change. Um, so like and there was no onboarding plan, no training checklist. You were kind of just gonna uh, maybe spend some time with this like uh, successor or the predecessor, yes. your predecessor. So like looking back on that, is there anything, you know, that you wish you would have known or do you treat like some of your folks that come on board onto your staff now differently? Like looking back at your own experience about, oh my God, I had no, I had no non-for-profit experience and here I was like now taking over a pretty significant organization. Yes. Um, so, I think is using the resources that are available to you. And now, so now I work with a lot of nonprofits and a lot of people who are thinking about nonprofit work or starting or converting or taking a piece of their for-profit and doing it. So um, I I think what I would have said initially, since there wasn't necessarily the orientation factor, you know, you weren't giving your binder and, you know, or your HR handbook, none of those things like happened, right? But um, I think today that makes me all more aware of that we should do those things. So I immediately like North Carolina Center for Nonprofits. I really rely on them. I, you know, we're a member. Um, thank goodness they're getting ready to have their first in-person meeting in three years. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. And in, in November it's in Durham and that's a great resource for nonprofits. And it, it, it I think for me, I always look to things more like a business, Mm -hmm. but then, so that's why I tell people too, I said, I think the reason it's worked well since I've been there is because I've treated it like a business rather than thinking of the nonprofit things and maybe the way nonprofits do things. Um, But I also leaned heavily into like local resources like Kino, Quality Enhancement for Nonprofit Organizations. And, um, you know, took all the, the things, board governance. And I do remember when I took this job, the president of the board at that time um, handed me his um, thoroughly entertaining board governance book. And he was like, I think you're going to need this more than I'm going to. As <laughs> he, as he exited out, you know, rules. of his year, his job was to find a replacement, basically, you know. I think coming from corporate, though, has got to be a great perspective to folks that come up through the not-for-profits and stay in not-for-profit worlds um so it is good to, to i think get that get that experience like like what you had before coming to the harrison center you struggle um, to attract i completely agree like i wish more non-for-profits or non-profits like would hire people from business um a lot of times yes. just like a lot of industries we get very finicky about if i work in software i only want to find people with software experience if i work in manufacturing i want people with manufacturing if i'm in pharma i want pharma people and it's like well, wouldn't it be great to get somebody with a different perspective? And that's what they did by bringing you on. Um, so number one, I would highly encourage people listening. If you have an opportunity to hire outside of your industry, try to do that. It's just good. It's kind of like not hiring everybody from Penn State, although it's a great school and you probably should. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um, UNCW is also a good school. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I think I would challenge people listening to hire outside of your industry or outside of your sector. And then what I'm super curious about is like, why were you even attracted in the first place? Yeah, I think because it made, I think the model of the Harrelson Center made so much common sense to me. I've always been kind of a very practical realist. And um, when I saw it and then toured it, I thought, wow. This just makes way too much sense. Why is nobody else doing this? And it's funny because still today, I'm almost six years there. I, people come all the time. They come from Atlanta. They come from Durham. They come from Rocky Mountain. They come all these places. And they're like, why don't we have this? Why are we not doing this? And that's I think awesome. that's so, like, why it made so much sense to me. Yeah. Versus I don't know if I would have gone into, and I liked the broad perspective. Mm-hmm. So, and that's me. But, it, you know, some people would go into a, a nonprofit work because they really deeply invested in that, you know, or they join a board because that's what they're, you know, I have friends who are on the ovarian, you know, for she rocks, like ovarian cancer things, because you have a very personal relationship with it. And this was a different thing for me. It was more of a very broad management. I liked the, um, the fact that everybody had their own organizations and had their own leadership, but that we could all cross over and collaborate. That's, I think what was really appealing from a HR standpoint. I feel like that's really important too, because, you know, resource constrained is usually kind of what you think about when you think about not-for-profits. It's having to do 10 times more with that dollar. Um, And so having a place like Harrison Center that can pool those resources, be that hub, um, and share best practices. I'm thinking about through an HR lens, but it kind of goes... fundraising, grant writing, everything. I mean, you guys do all that, right? Yeah, well, everybody's got to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the right. thing. It's like, you know, it's interesting because when I first got there, like a couple of the uh, different directors would say, no, but we're different or we're unique right. or we're this. And I'm like, well, what you're doing and ultimately what you're trying to achieve may be different when they're trying, but we all have to do all the same things. Like there are certain things that are just part of our infrastructure that we all have to do. So, and part of that are the things you just mentioned, Andy. So like fundraising and public relations and community engagement and um, financial, you know, financials, HR, we're all doing the same things when it comes to that. So if you can get those things down, then it makes what you're doing more focused and stronger too. But yeah, so that so we do have a PR person, we have a communications person um, on staff. So we do out and outreach. So one of our big pieces is to educate people in the community about the organizations, the partners. We call them partners mm-hmm. that we work with specifically. So we now do two drop-in tours a month. We might get twenty or thirty people drop in on our drop-in tours because we say you don't have to tell us you're coming. Just show up at noon, show up at your lunchtime, and um, and it's all walks of life. So that I, I really cool. I find that yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Like you know, you might find an attorney who wants to figure out how to place in, you know, and get involved, or you might find somebody in the social work programs, people from DSS, people from the school systems, just people who've moved here over the bridge in Leland who are like, hey, I thought I was going to come play golf all day, but I'm not every right. day. So now I want to use some of my skills here. How do I get involved? And you, so, does the Harrelson cool. Center sort of act like a like a broker for, um, for, for folks that want to volunteer and spend time but don't want to dedicate to just one agency? Maybe they want to be you know, involved. They've got multiple passions. Do you do that? What that really works with is the youth. Okay. So, because the youth haven't really figured out why or what they want to do. Exposure. So we have a mm-hmm. lot, we do a lot of programs where like New Hanover High School comes down um, and they 
they can jump around. You know, we'll swap them off. Okay, there's actually coursework like that does that type of work. So um, that also even with the people who are in social work programs like at UNCW because they haven't. You know how that is. You're in college. You're kind of trying to narrow down. Mm -hmm. So I think particularly with our younger generation, the next generation who's going to be looking out after all of us too, is to develop that sense of mission and outreach. And really, that younger generation they have uh, they have it. Like they want to be there, and it's very it gives them purpose, which I think also is a good thing, you know, just for mental health and uh, today. People need purpose and they need to feel like they're valued and they're doing good work and that works. That is super amazing. Mm -hmm. I love knowing that, you know, one of the high schools at least is spending quality time. You've got 40-something non-for-profits that are housed in, you know, in the Harrelson Center. And so you just think about like talent pipeline management. I spend a lot of time thinking about tech talent um, and then you've spent a long time thinking about just healthcare shortages and, um, but there are shortages everywhere. There's shortages from teachers to, um, humanitarian workers. And so that's not something that a lot of parents are pushing their kids to. And it's, you know, probably because it doesn't make a ton of money most of the time. Right. So yeah. unless you're like Prince Harry or something, I don't know what he makes. <laughs> yeah, he's doing pretty well. <laughs> he's I doing mean. fine, it seems like. Uh, yeah, that is definitely true. Um, is But it is that we have got such a great pipeline right here in town. Yeah. And so a lot of the people who come through will end up employed at one of the organizations or even in some sort of pseudo thing. Like we've had some, not even just social work, but people communication majors, um, graphic designer majors, where maybe a nonprofit doesn't need a full-time right. graphic communication. So they split them. Like we've had, yeah, we have a, um, a few people on campus who are like, they work half-time for this organization, half-time for that organization. And some people find that very satisfying. Like they like to be doing the different things too. So, um, but yes, developing um, children, people don't say, you know, it's hard even teaching today. People mm-hmm. are like, you know, they think, oh, we're not going to make enough money. Now I will say, one thing that's, you know, back to sort of my corporate background, I think people should be paid what they're worth. And I, I do, I, um, I have uh, challenges, or I would say, with the fact that nonprofits may not be paid. Um, they feel like, oh, you're getting so much benefit and purpose and joy in your work, <laughs> but they still have to support children and right. everything else and have to have transportation and safe and affordable housing and all these, you know, things. So that's one of the things like I like about like an NC Center for Nonprofits is we kind of, they advocate for things like that and to keep things tax-free and um, and to try to find solutions for healthcare for nonprofit organizations and yeah. there's a lot to it. Yeah, as you know, I think about also the um, employee engagement, right? Um, There's a lot of folks that um, around town, um, around any town, really, to be honest, um, that are looking for something to do with their work people. Um, And so are you seeing like teams from, you know, larger companies, small companies, maybe remote workers that are kind of pooling together? with a common mission and, and, and coming out to volunteer. Are you seeing a lot of Yeah, that? and you know what's even interesting is that because we are kind of a destination place is you will find people having meetings here and while they're here, they want to do a project together because these might be a lot of people that right. work remotely, right. you know, in a corporation and but they're getting together and let's say they're at the blockade, they're somewhere down, you know, staying downtown or at the beach or whatever and that while they're here, they want to engage. So we do some of that plus just local companies come in um, and I think it's really, it's hard because there's that convenience factor of people wanting to do things um, like they want to come on a Saturday morning and then we're all kind of like, we don't want to be there. 
there on a Saturday morning. Right. And then the clients and the nonprofits aren't there. So um, I think some of those can be challenges. Like if they need to kind of weave fit people in and they, or they want something a certain day, and you're like, well, we don't have anything going on that day. So sometimes it's yeah. almost like you have to create things um, versus, oh, we're when we have 200 bicycles put together, we're like, yeah. where are these people that <laughs> right. we really need right, right now? Um, so it, it's interesting that way. So sometimes I would love to hear from more corporations who would come in and actually have a bit of an idea of what they want to do and, and realize it's a big thing. They want to come in and get the time, but they also need to put the financials finance to it. So like they would probably love to come in and put 200 bicycles. If they would offer to go buy 200 bicycles <laughs> and then come put them together, that would be huge. Even better. Right? Yes. Yeah. So I would say, and I think that's for everything, you know, I love, it's all time, talent, and treasure. I mean, it's all three, right? But, um, but I do just think that people do need to be aware of that. That, that it does sometimes place a burden on the nonprofit staff who's got a lot on their moving along mm-hmm. too. Um, but we love it when they can come and say, we want to do this and this is why we're going to do it. And we're going to bring our own resources. And um, we've had some good examples of that. We've had techno- girls in technology days and things like that where they bust the the, ch- the kids yeah. to the campus. They take care of lunch and breakfast and they have all their volunteers and that's huge. And then we can place them. So we are absolutely open to things like that. That's a great message to get out too. Mm-hmm. That if yeah. you're going to come with a, come with a plan yeah. and come with yeah. dollars. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll help you. And we'll yeah. help you. Mm-hmm. Like we'll help you develop it. If you just reach out and say, I'm sure. thinking sure. about this. And, um, but you know, it's hard. Companies but, I think try very hard these days because they're trying to figure out what do our, what do our employees want to do? What right. are they willing to spend their time doing? Um, they certainly can do it independently, but I, I get you know the team building piece of mm-hmm. doing it together, and um, so you know they'll be like, "Well, they say they all like children," and I'm like, "Well, yes, we all like children." Yes, and we're right. having a background check, everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, to the HR nightmare piece. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? So let's go back to like the resource piece. You gave a couple of good examples. Keno, Q-E-N-O, which is through UNC Wilmington's campus. We were super fortunate locally to have a great campus like that and a good office like Keno. Um, but do you know, like in other communities across the United States, like are there key, other kinos? No, a lot of people don't have it. I mean, a lot of people don't have a centralized campus. A lot of people don't have a kino. I mean, a good way, too, is to engage and make sure you find out. Like Duke University, we've actually crossed over with them, Chapel Hill. I mean, here's some things like we're looking at now. So um, moving in in October is um, Legal Aid of North Carolina, which has been around for a while. And they have um, a second chance initiative, which are expunction clinics, basically. But we've never had that in our county and surrounding counties. So mm-hmm. this will be the first time we We've had that in Wilmington and New right. Hanover County. Awesome. But through that, then they will arrange through like these clinics, like at the like law clinics, and they'll bring them down. So like they'll come for um, spring break or no, fall break, the upcoming fall break, and we'll set them up on campus and then legal aid can run like basically expunction clinics with all these law, law students. And... Um, so those type of relationships, we're always looking to go deeper. And I just talked to someone recently who's on the one of the law school board at Carolina. And she was like, we desperately, like, we want to be reaching out. We want to be in the community. And so trying to find ways for them to plug in when we know we need it, even if they can zoom in and provide services. 
Um, you should, people should always look. So it doesn't have to be that they're right in your backyard, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm saying too. Yeah. We can look further, um, you know, especially maybe some academia places where they have a little bit of money and they're willing to do things like that and reach beyond their campus. So I think those are important, you know, connections. Like, it, you know, everything is a connection is like, mm-hmm. we, as we know. Yeah. That specific example is why the Harrelson Center works so well, right? Because then there's an expansion. Am I saying that right? Expunction. Expunction. Yeah. Expunction. It's confusing because it's like expunge, expunct. An expunge <laughs> clinic um, uh, happening, and then and then you've got you know um, uh, you know step up. Wilmington, right, right yeah. there, you know, to say, okay, when this is cleared up, you know, and then you can get the the hospital. I don't know if they have a seat there, but like, you know, um, so to get folks from like a talent um, acquisition standpoint, you know, coming and, and saying like, okay, when this gets cleared, yeah. we have a spot. We yeah. need you. Um, because there were big shortages lately. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, NAs, nurse assistants, um, I'm looking at through the healthcare lens right now, but um, wheelchair van drivers, you know, one DUI, 10 years ago, and that's not an option for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, does that define you? FedEx, no. UPS, USPS. I mean, yeah, to be mm-hmm. able to expunge something like that yeah. off a record could be like... That's no, great. Yeah. It's wonderful. I mean, it's a real barrier to employment, obviously. And even housing. Like, that's a big, you know, that's yeah. a big piece of that can change someone's trajectory. Mm-hmm. For another episode <laughs> of Total Nightmares. <laughs> So, um, a, yeah. So to, to get to the HR piece, yes. um, in oh, is Harrelson that why Center, we're here? Today? That's why we're yeah. here. Um, so, is there are there are there trainings that are specific to to not for profits that that you provide or um, you know that that yeah just, other companies could rely on you. Everyone's sure. you know strapped for cash and want to do the most with their money that their donors are giving them. Um, is there is there a reason why they should? come to Harrelson Center or why other communities that might be listening should come here, visit you, model after you and learn from you. Yes. Yes. And would love to see that. Good, good, good. Um, So, well, first of all, I will just say that through Leith HR at the time, I think that's what it was called then. You're still at Leith. Is it Leith HR? Leith HR. Okay. He's running it now. Here's the plug for Andy. Um, But we did, during COVID, using our time remotely productively, um, which we weren't remote very long, I will just tell you that, but... Um, we did our HR manual, updated our Mm -hmm. HR manual, which is essential. And I always think, just, and I, you know, and I don't give out my HR manual to just everybody, I'll just say, because, you know, they all want to mirror it. I'm like, I will... Say you need to do your an HR manual. It's very important, and it, it that's a it's a complicated thing for people because they're like, well, I'm just one person. I don't have any staff, but I'm like, but you have all these volunteers, mm-hmm. and they're basically like your staff. So, um, I think that's a big message to nonprofits too is that you have to be as protective over your volunteers and have them orient and train. Exactly, you know, yes. too. So, like, well, I'll just give you an example. Like, Monday, we um, have the New Hanover County Office of Equity and Diversity is coming in. So, Linda Thompson and um, Travis Corpening, who anybody local might know, but um, they will then do diversity and equity training. And we don't just do it for our staff, we do it for we open it up to all the partners, Great. to their key volunteers, to their staff. So, that's a way right there that, um, you know, people don't have to go outreach for other things. So we're, you know, we it is yeah. more cost effective when we mm-hmm. share in all these resources together. Um, in this case, 
that's a complimentary training. So thank you to New Hanover County. But, um, and we do a lot of that too, like negotiate on behalf of the whole partners and staff. Like we try to find things more reasonable mm-hmm. as we possibly can. Um, so just as an example, like I think that I've learned so much from North Carolina Center for Nonprofits that then I want everyone to have a membership to that. So that is something that the Harrelson Center in 2023 is that we're covering all of our partners' um, membership to that so that Hmm. we're having the same conversations and we develop that culture with each other. Like, did you see that? What did you hear from that? And then we can do follow-ups from that. And then we can also broadcast it if people wanted to do the special, because they're just, they do trainings constantly all the time. So we try to find places that we are of value and then bring it in, you know, and it could be racial equity, but it could be anything, you know, just Mm -hmm. from, yeah. uh, So just, we we just had Kino just did their um, group too. Same thing. Right. Offer it up to all the partners and all do it together. And it kind of keeps it alive, you know, too. So when you do things together, you tend to talk about them and then you tend to mm-hmm. play it out actually in your organization versus just kind of putting it on a shelf. But what a good idea that j- if you don't have a Harrelson Center in your community, but you have a lot of nonprofit organizations, like to just think a little bit, you probably always think selflessly, but think a little bit more broadly selflessly. If I'm holding a training for my eight people and there's three other nonprofits right down the road, wouldn't it be nice if I picked up the phone and just said, hey, I'm doing this. I already paid for it. Do you want to come? It's so simple, but we often don't think about, oh, well, what they're doing is different. Yeah, but this isn't. This specific training on racial equity is not different. might make sense. It might be more fun when we can banter back and forth and hang out with some folks that we don't often see. And I see my same eight people every day. So right. it's just, it's just like a simple idea, but but for many people, they're like, oh, yeah, I should probably do that. Yeah, but, you get different perspectives, different scenarios yeah. brought up. I mean, those are all great ways to kind of solidify what you're hearing, you know, because a lot of time it's theory. And let's tie it to practice and yeah. different practices for different organizations. And we want to... We want to build the relationship. So the better the partners know each other and know what each other do, the more effective it is for the community because a, a client comes in or people call them different. We have all groups to call different. Yeah. Somebody might call them a neighbor or a client, a patient, whatever it is. But um, they come in and they know that they talk to them. They develop that relationship and then they trust them. And then I know, oh, well, so-and-so does this. And you've mentioned to me that this is a big challenge for you. And then I can then hand them off and I have a relationship with that other organization and there's it also you know it eliminates I think a little bit of what can be competitive you know a lot of people think oh everybody's vying for the same dollars or vying for the same donors and there's plenty of people to go around I think everybody needs to know that too but I think the bigger thing is is that when you start to build that relationship and trust among the different organizations and you know you'll always have people who are not those people, right? Mm-hmm. But I, they probably, that's why I say, well, make sure this is where you want to be too. And it's not that we're all in each other's business. We're not. Like everybody's doing their thing day in, right. day out. Well, they're busy. But I think that um, just to even run into the elevator with somebody and I see somebody and I think, oh my gosh, I should have called you. I need to call. I needed to call you. I'm glad I saw you because let me tell you, here's something when I thought about your organization, maybe, or it could just be, I thought about a particular client that yeah. brings something and there's something to be said for that too. Yeah. That's an intentional collision kind of environment that you've mm-hmm. got. Yeah. yeah. It's the hub. I mean, yes. that's kind of the way I love it. think of it. Um, everyone in the world is freaking out about not being able to hire people. Um, 
I we actually find that we don't really struggle that bad, like with our clients or at Vanica to hire because we're super, super intentional about it. But everyone else seems to be freaking out about hiring. How's the nonprofit world and hiring and just vacancies? Like, how is that? And how do you approach it when your folks within your kingdom have openings and are having a tough time? Yeah. So, well, and we do a community newsletter once a month out to the community. We do a partner internal version, then we do a community version. So we put job postings are there. So everybody can see what jobs are available and then we push it out to the community. So that's one reason we have a our database is over 3,000, so like 3,500 people. So it may not be that that person's looking for that job, but they may know their father, son, jo- child, ne- cousin, nephew, neighbor who does, right? So mm-hmm. that's one of the things we try to help people put it out there, right? And so even, for example, um, on LinkedIn, I know we posted this month um, that legal aid is coming. They've never had these positions for, so they're hiring an attorney, a staff attorney, senior attorney, staff attorney, paralegal, social worker. So we're always helping promote that too. One, we know that these are the people we're going to be working beside, right? So yeah. we're just <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, let's a make vested sure. interest. Yeah, a little, little, little bit. But, um, but I think that's one of the things. I'm, I'm, I don't feel like... Um, I feel like jobs are definitely getting, although we need a building and maintenance manager. I think I told you that when I saw you last time. And that tends to be a harder position to fill for us lately. So I'm putting, if anybody has a building and maintenance manager, this is a really fun building to work in. Um, It's an old building, but it's interesting. It'll keep people interested. But I do think that um, there are so many people coming out of the UNCW. I think it's a big pull for us. But I I haven't seen anybody like, opening sitting open, you know, oh, for good. long periods Wonderful. of time. That's great. Um, I, do, I mean, I thoroughly believe in, like, see outsourcing to people, particularly when you have a very specific position that you're looking for. Um, Call ETH HR. <laughs> Bug. But um, also, there have definitely been people crossed over in organizations yeah. within the organization. I was going to ask about that. Do yeah. you see any kind of internal migration? I've seen a little bit of that. How do you control for that? Or, I mean, or, or is it okay? But maybe it's, it's good. fine, you know? And everybody... God bless, yeah. because companies have gotten in yeah. trouble for antitrust and preventing people from, you know, mm-hmm. advancing their careers because they don't want them leaving to go to this other company. It's like... Antitrust is good. Glad you brought that up. That's not the direction I was headed. The direction I was headed was like, you know, are there are there different? Um, I mean, do you do comp studies, compensation studies? Um, what kind of, um, uh, you know, incentives do you, do you do you propose? Um, to keep other, others, yeah, propose to others. You know, to take a look at, you know, potentially doing to to keep your top talent. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, I'm probably like everybody else where you Google, okay, what's the average salary in Wilmington, North Carolina for such and such thing, you know. Um, And then I rely on the expert reports too, you know. Um, But I I do think that people want to be competitive. I think the bigger problem in the nonprofit community, what it can tend to be, is not actually getting someone, but keeping someone um, who and people might be having lot changes in their lives which dictate they need to also maybe make changes if they can't get the compensation and the incentives and the things that they're looking for there so um i mean we, i've seen a lot of good people come through at different organizations and then they kind of get scooped up by another corporation mm-hmm. or larger government entity or, you know, I think that is why it is so important for nonprofits to be competitive. And um, 
because there does have to be a lot of job satisfaction, you know, and a lot of times, sometimes people on boards don't even understand it either because they're like, well, why are we not just make having them do this and do that? And I was like, well, they might not be getting compensated as much. So they need to be getting pleasure, enjoyment and professional development out of the job while they're here. And that is what's going to probably keep them there, you know, as long as possible. And then we keep trying to just increase what they're get paid. Um, but I mean, it's the challenge for everybody is am I compensating people enough? And then everybody's unique. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, I think you just have to take in people's personal objectives and understand their objectives. Yeah, what are their priorities? Right. So is it we a four do four day week. Is it yes. getting out on the weekends to play with kids? Yeah, is or not taking the, the work home. Is it? Yeah. you know, it, it can be because and some people are they're just very good at what they do and they don't like to. They may be um, very drilled into what they do, so they don't even want the social environment. You need to make sure they have a nice, quiet office. You know, at mm -hmm. the end of the hall. So I think it's just knowing. Knowing the employee, asking the questions, doing the reviews, you know, where and not just about what's happening with work, but if they want to share what, you know, if they want to talk about these are my, I like to know what people's, if you have any personal objectives you'd like to share with me so that we can be working towards those together, sure. you know, full picture. Yeah. yeah. And those things might not be correct in the corporate world. So I'm just saying this. They're this, absolutely okay. correct. <laughs> every week I'm asking, <laughs> no, every week people need to be asking like, What's going on in your life? Like, what can I do to help yeah. you? Uh, you mm -hmm. know, t talking about positive. This is one great thing that we do at Vanica is we open every meeting by saying, okay, positive focus. Mead, you're first. Andy, you're next. Yeah. Okay, Lisa, I'm going to tell you about my kids going back to school this week. It was super adorable watching them hold hands, get on yeah. the bus. Get a little personal. Yeah. Get a little yes. work and let them share. You don't drag it out. Which is what's so funny about this. So I remember in kindergarten, that's what they they would do. They go around the room. They're like, how are you feeling? today how are you feeling today like there's some little chant they had a point yeah and they'd come out and they point to that child and they'd be like how do you feel today and because some days you come to work and you know you're bringing your whole self to work yeah, you try absolutely. to but um and so some days you're like really high on things and some days you're kind of like you know mm -hmm. so i think you have to take that into consideration too and so i think it's like i mean some of the what we learned in kindergarten and there's something about that like some book or something about that but sometimes it's just going back to like knowing people and the sort basics. of yeah just just get to know your just people back to the basics yeah and that's exactly why we developed work talk so if you don't actually go and sit down with your folks or traveling sales people and you know you're always just like harping on numbers and production and like what you're driving home revenue wise for me, the business owner, like sometimes you do have to use an app to like, just remind us and like ping somebody like, how are you feeling today? And then I can kind of see, Oh, Mead's always happy face. But then today she's like pissed face and I'm going to actually call her because I want to see why is she so pissed today? So check work talk out. It's free for 30 days. Um, I do want to get to my favorite part of every episode, which is the write-ins. And so um, I've got a good one here that I'm hoping you guys will help me work through. Um, so this person gave us a couple of nice uh, uh, compliments, big fans of the show. Shout out to Signal Fire, who does um, our recordings and editing. They do a great job. Um, I'm trying. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm trying a new method when applying for an, a new position. I just started calling employers and saying, hey, I was told to call back today to set up an interview. I was sick of not getting any word back from these employers. So then the realization struck that they were going through hundreds of applications and are probably at the point they don't know who's is who anymore. So new, 
new job application process is to apply for a job, wait for a few days, call employer, letting them know I was under consideration for the position and was scheduling an interview per their request. Uh, results so far are four interviews this month compared to one interview over the last three months. Of the 20 or so times I've done this, I've only been called out on it once. And that one time I just hung up. <laughs> We don't know you. <laughs> Do you think recruiters are likely to catch my proactive attempts to have an interview? So who wrote that? <laughs> I know. Sorry. I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> no. Um, wow. Tread carefully yeah. with that. Um, I, I'll, I'll You're just, the salesperson, but I think yeah, that's a damn that, good sales tactic, Like to be honest. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like when you're trying to close a deal or something, you, you know, make it seem like, you're it's already hot, done. You're hotter than <laughs> maybe you are. But like, I don't know. Yeah, the the fibbing part, I mean, it's a little white lie, right? And but but that, if you're willing to fib just a little bit right out of the gate with the first sentence. To try to get traction. They're not going to want you. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. They're going to yeah. be like, I wouldn't. I yeah. wouldn't. I would say, yeah, you know, solid move. Good, good try. But uh, I can't trust you. Yeah, because well, adding the per your request—that's the part where I was like, ee! is the squeaky nope. squeaky part there? I mean, I, first of all, I think it's great for people to make the call. Don't sit around and wait for somebody to call you back because yes, you are in a pile of all these things, right? So I think being proactive and as absolutely—I mean, sending an email or a text—I mean, you know, nobody's going to see that, nobody's so going to know easy. it. But it's too easy. But I mean, I you know, sometimes showing there is a lot to be said about sometimes showing up with something something that does make you stand out, right? Or set, calling and saying something that makes you stand out. But saying that you said for me to call you now, everybody's under consideration, so that is for real. That was okay, but I thought it took it too far on the per. I mean, I think you just got to be honest and be like, I think I'm the best person for this job, so I'm circling back with you based on my application that I've submitted to you. Yeah. Sure. And I think, you know, if you ask who the hiring manager is and you get a name at one point, calling back and asking for that person. That's that, a good job. Totally that's okay. fine. Totally fine. Absolutely. Because that's, you're going to stand out. Yeah, gonna, you did your research. Did you, your research. And you reached out, so you've got a little more initiative than There's some a good, That's yeah. a good plan. And then when you get that person on the phone, what are the two or five sentences that you're going to say that is going to wow this person and have them invite you in? So having your elevator speech ready to go is probably important. And be humble. Yeah. And not all about you. That's what I was going to say. Same thing as humble. Not all about you. And tying in what they're looking for into your, you know, making it that you're watching out for them as much you're watching out for you already. Yeah. Wanted to introduce myself Mm -hmm. per your request. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that part was that that was the that was the line. It was yeah. like, you know, per your request. That was the piece. It's like, yeah. no, no. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you so much uh, for thanks. coming in. Yes, thank you. Need yeah, Vamp Help from the Harrelson Center. Um, we love this place. Go check them out online. Is it Harrelsoncenter.org? Org. Org. Go check it out. She also does a really fun golf tournament. When is that? Yes, and it's already full. That's how fun it is. That's- Lisa played once before. It's September 19th. So, um, but you can come to the campus at any time. Don't forget the tours. First Tuesday, third Thursday at noon. Drop in and um, you'll always meet somebody fun on the tour too. And then we do have a thankful hearts lunch and breakfast. Now we've had a breakfast. <laughs> We're doing breakfast and lunch. We had to divide out over at COVID. And now Same they day. want to keep it going. Same Bring your day. Venmo and attend. Harrelson.org. 
Um, I want to give a shout out to a couple of other nonprofits that are near and dear to our heart. I mean, for the Chamber of Commerce, which is a nonprofit organization, um, definitely helped us kind of start up five years ago at Leith HR Group. Um, United Way is a big favorite of ours. Um, the Cape Fear Museum, which is actually Smithsonian affiliated. You got to love that. Take your kids. Um, Early Gardens. The North Carolina Flotilla. We yes. always have a boat yes. in the North Carolina flotilla. Look for us. We were the baby shark boat. Um, okay. Is that it? That's it. All right. All right. Have a great day. No more HR nightmares. Follow us on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and tell your friends. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.